Hey everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine today. It's Jack Ridenauer as always, and I've got a lot in store for you all today. But before I touch on that, I want to briefly recap the last episode, and it was a really fun episode. I started off again discussing college football, this time talking about a potential realignment for this season, and what that would have looked like if there were to have been some sort of realignment. I also mentioned a couple leagues that would reform based on geographical location that I think would have really worked if they had done this months ago. I stuck with the college sports theme in my following topic as I discussed my favorite college mascots and ranked them one through five based on uniqueness and creativity. A lot of very interesting mascots that I came across in my research, which was a fun topic to do background checking on. Afterwards, I wrapped up the episode with another impeccable interview with another MLL player and a member of the Denver Outlaws, Ryan Lee, as we discussed his historic career in college, his career in the pros, and his stellar season he had in 2020 that led him to being the 2020 Offensive Player of the Year in the MLL. A really great episode. If you haven't checked it out yet, go give it a listen. All 41 episodes are out now on Apple and Spotify. Today, I want to jump into some baseball and discuss the possibility of the World Series being held at an off-site this year, where the two teams, whomever they might be, will play in a neutral site to reduce contact and potential spread of the virus. Later on, I'll get into another road tripping segment as I'll give a history lesson on the Chicago White Sox, tracing their lineage way back to the first days of them being the White Sox. And to wrap up today's episode, I'll be joined by St. Louis Cardinals minor leaguer Ben Baird as he and I will talk about his time in college, what this pandemic has been like for him as a minor leaguer, and so much more. It's going to be a blast today, everyone, so if I were you, I'd quickly, before seats fill up, find your favorite spot on the bench, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Ride in the Pine, Jack Ridenauer again. And like I mentioned, there's a lot of things that have been going on in the baseball world recently, and there's been this development recently with the talk of baseball postseason and the World Series being played in hub cities, very similar to how hockey and basketball have been doing recently. And the difference here, though, is there's going to be a lot of conversations, or there's been a lot of conversations about different sites for the playoffs, so they haven't yet to really nail down where they're going to have the playoffs, if that were to be an option, and then also they're going to possibly have a different site for the World Series, but also might use the same site for the World Series as for other playoff rounds, potentially. Now, this is from an article written in the Dallas Morning News by Evan Grant. It was a really nicely written article, very informative, and it talked about how the Texas Rangers have become the front runner for hosting the World Series because of the new Globe Life Field in Arlington, a brand new stadium, very, very nice stadium of what I hear, and with its new renovations, it could make for a really nice stadium to house such a prestigious event and game in the World Series. The temperature in Texas during the cooler months, which is when the baseball playoffs are, is much more ideal as well. And with retractable domes on the Arlington Stadium and the Astro Stadium, which has also been made uh, a little bit of news recently as being one of the potential offsites for the postseason, it makes it ever even more likely of a candidate to house the fall classic this year if there is you know any sort of potential of weather being a factor in any of this now they've discussed possibly also having just multiple rounds or at least a round in texas with two separate stadiums having larger stadiums with retractable domes this would bring a lot of flair to the world series especially with arlington stadium being this brand new stunning stadium so why not put the world series there right the difference between having a bubble like system with 30 teams and and then two 
teams? Well, probably about a thousand people. So anyone who thinks that you know they could have done this, you know, uh, this past year, having able to house thirty plus teams in a bubble like system, it would have taken a lot more planning and much more focus and attention being put into you know uh, this because of the a magnitude of people that would have been you know housed in a bubble system. And I mean, just imagine having to keep contained a virus that you cannot see while trying to also house over a thousand different people and players, coaches, personnel, and everybody in between. It would have been incredibly unlikely to happen. The other sites that could host playoff games are Southern California, which would be home of the AL playoffs, and then the NL playoffs would theoretically be in Texas, which I like. I think that you know makes sense, and again, if they had sat down and planned something, they might have been able to do something similar to this uh, with much more planning in the regular season, but now they've had planning. They've been able to get ready for that all year. They've been able to prepare. So this World Series in this postseason should not be that big of an issue for them. I'm curious, though, to see what the final say is on this. And then, you know, what will that bubble system, if you will, look like in terms of rules and regulations that teams have to follow and see if Clevenger and Plezak, two guys on the on the Indians that have had a lot of issues with following protocol, if their team does make the playoffs and if there is this type of system, are those two guys going to keep themselves in line? Looks like we're going to have to see on that one, folks. So I want to now move into my topic for today, another road tripping segment. I've already done two of these, and for those of you who don't know what this segment is about, it's when I select a team and I start with their origin of you know when they started and then road trip through the history of the team, going through each stop city by city, and then wind up in the city in which they are in today. So road tripping, if you will, through the history of the team, which everyone you know I choose um, that I you know I've done so far have been you know pretty interesting and solid teams. And today, I want to now cover the Chicago White Sox. Now, this is a really interesting story that goes way back to the 1800s, actually. And they started out, funny enough, as a minor league team in the Western League. And they originated in Sioux City, Iowa. And they were called the Sioux City Cornhuskers. The team originated in 1894, and they won the Western League pennant in that first year. So they immediately saw some success in Iowa. They were only there for a year, though, because the former MLB player, Charles Comiskey, who, coincidentally enough, is named after the field that they had for many, many years, Comiskey, Comiskey Park or Comiskey Field, whichever it was, and they, he decided to buy the team after his contract with the Cincinnati Reds as their manager had already expired, expired. and then he moved the, uh, the Sioux City team, he moved them to St. Paul, Minnesota. So when they went to St. Paul, they were called the St. Paul Apostles, which I don't mind. I think that has actually got a nice ring to it, and in 1895, they were second in the Western League with a 74 and 50 record, and this is where things get really interesting. So in 1900, the Western League had changed its name from the Western League to the American League, and the National League allowed the American League to have a team expand into Chicago. So when that happened, Charles Comiskey took the team to Chicago from St. Paul, Minnesota, and he called the team the Chicago or the Chicago White Stockings. Now, when you look up baseball in St. Paul, you'll see something interesting about it. Just a little side note for anybody out there that cares or is interested in this. The American league made itself a professional major league. So the White Stockings immediately became a pro team after being a minor league team. So, I mean, talk about wild. I mean, that's very interesting being a minor league team, making the switch, converting into the other league, and then that league converting into a professional league. Something that you do not hear about ever. Not anymore. But in St. Paul, the counterpart team in Minnesota, the Minneapolis Millers, who was who were also a Western League team, they were moved to St. Paul to become the Saints. They, they were not a very popular 
popular team in Minneapolis. They did not have good fan turnout, so they wound up moving to St. Paul, which had a much better market for the sport. The Saints, actually, fun fact, were ranked as one of the top 100 minor league teams of all time, which got me thinking I might have to do a segment on greatest minor league teams of all time. I think that would be an interesting one to do. So when baseball came back to St. Paul, this might have been a huge hotbed for a great team. I mean, they unfortunately don't exist anymore, but they were originally independent before they became an affiliate of the White Sox, and then they became an affiliate of the Brooklyn and L.A. Dodgers. So back to the White Sox. Sorry about that little detour. I just, you know, figured we'd hop off the road for a second and back on the road, and we have finally arrived in Chicago. So they made a stop in Sioux City, Iowa, and then they made their way to St. Paul, Minnesota before ultimately landing in Chicago. But things got interesting for the White Sox, or the White Sockings, as I should call them, because that is what they went by at this point. In 1900, they won the final WL-AL championship before they became a pro team in 1901. And then they won the first ever professional major league pennant in 1901. The name started because of the newspaper editors actually abbreviating the name almost immediately from their arrival. So a name that did not stick around long at all. You know, being the White Stockings, and I'm not surprised that's too much of a mouthful to say. I mean, White Stockings, hey, let's go to a Stockings game. Or, hey, let's go to a Sox game. I mean, you tell me, which one sounds a little bit catchier? I think it's Sox, but that's just me. The team saw major success winning the 1906 World Series over none other than, drumroll please, the Chicago Cubs, their, their crosstown rival. So this was a major win. I mean, six-game series, and the Cubs were highly favored for winning the World Series. They wound up losing to their in-city foes, which has to be even worse. I mean, just imagine losing to a team that is literally your crosstown rival. It would be one thing to lose the World Series, but to the same team in your city, that would flat-out stink. They would fall on some very hard times after the scandal of the Black Sox in 1919, which is a crazy story. Basically, just to, you know, sum it all up. Actually, now that I think about it, I may cover it one day on another episode more in-depthly. So two ideas have popped from this uh, topic here. So that's, you know, that's always a good thing. But essentially, the White Sox, then called the Black Sox, they were said to have thrown the World Series in 1919 because they were, you know, apparently large wagers placed on the Reds. And so eight players, yes, eight players were banned from baseball for life by a judge, and it was a whole ordeal. But again, a story for another day, still regardless, something that uh, you know, is a very unfortunate blemish on this team's reputation and really this team's you know uh, time as a professional baseball team. They would wind up winning two more World Series after 1906, one in 1917, and one in 2005 over the Houston Astros. So they were still a successful team. They've won six pennants in total, three titles in the Central, and two in the West Division. So although not a crazy playoff team, they've won when it's counted and made the most out of their run to the Fall Classic. And this year, they are on fire right now, and they're making a major push for first place in the Central, so maybe we'll see a late season surge from them to get to first place, but it's going to be a lot with the Indians and the Twins right there with them as well. So that'll do it for another road tripping segment. Glad you enjoyed the drive. I want to now head over into our interview today with another tremendous guest who joins the show, a current St. Louis Cardinals minor leaguer and former University of Washington Husky. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for him. Here he is, Ben Baird. I'm here with current St. Louis Cardinals minor leaguer Ben Baird. Ben, first off, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today. How have you been doing? I've been good, 
Jack. Thanks for having me on. It's a huge honor. Yeah, man, absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I love hearing from you minor leaguers because you guys, I think, have some of the most interesting stories in baseball. And, you know, I'll start with you with, you know, this pandemic I'm sure has been very difficult with your season being canceled since all of minor league baseball was shut down due to COVID. When the pandemic first occurred and you got wind that your season was in jeopardy, what were some adjustments you made in your daily training regimen that you had to get used to once quarantine was in full effect? Yeah, um, I was actually very fortunate where um, I was able to still have access to a gym to work out. And, uh, you know, in my area, there's a lot of guys who are playing professional baseball, which is also another fortunate. So I've actually been able to kind of make the most of it. Um, and I just really wanted to make sure that during this pandemic and during this, I didn't want to take a step back in my in my uh, you know career. I wanted to make sure that I could make it a positive in any way uh, I could. And fortunately, I was in a pretty good situation and uh, have been able to get some good work in. That's great. I know a lot of guys have had some very uh, creative ways, if you will, to you know try different ways of staying in shape and getting those baseball reps that they need getting in. Now, moving forward, has there been any development in what all the St. Louis Cardinals have informed you all on in terms of you know what's going to occur moving forward in regards to a season or any off-season workout programs? Um, yeah, so they, we've been uh, contacted by uh, someone in the organization pretty much weekly, just checking in on how we're doing. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have uh, really any news uh, right now. And I think it's kind of just they're, uh, hoping that the rest of the major league season can play out smoothly um, before we kind of get any real news. Um, I think they're hoping for some sort of like instructional uh, camp in the fall. Um, so hopefully we can get in there before before we go back to spring training. But, uh, yeah, no no official news as of yet. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things up in the air right now. And, uh, you know, again, I couldn't imagine the season that you guys just came out of, or, you know, lack of season actually, but because um, I know that it probably hits you and everyone else very hard. Now, I want to start early on in your career. Coming out of high school, you were a highly decorated player, being named the number one shortstop in all of California and an All-American, and you ultimately chose to continue your playing career at University of Washington when you were deciding on where you wanted to go to school next, what was it that drew you to the University of Washington and wanting to be a Husky? Um, I think it was uh, first the, uh, the coaching staff. Um, I know uh, coming in, just I was greeted just with a lot of warmth, and I just felt like I took a liking to the coaches immediately. Um, so that definitely helped. And then... Um, I'm from Southern California, and I kind of just wanted to experience something new as well, and it was quite a shock, especially weather-wise, moving up to Seattle, but, I mean, the campus is beautiful, Seattle's a beautiful city, Um, and the academics at Washington uh, were something also that was super important to me. Yeah, I've always wanted to get out to Seattle. I've heard it's a great place to visit. I've heard, you know, Washington, the Pacific Northwest area is a very beautiful place in our country. Now, your team saw a big improvement from your freshman year to your sophomore year, adding seven wins to your record in that second year. What do you attribute to your team's success that season and the notable improvement you all saw in just one year? Um, That year, actually, we made a super big focus on just having just really good team chemistry, honestly. My freshman year, um, funny enough, we were ranked, preseason ranked uh, 12th in the country and ended up kind of kind of having a flop year. And it was, I think, because we just had some just not great bonding between the entire team. And I would, I would say that our my first year's team was actually more talented on paper 
been our second-year team, but I think uh, we just really had more of a will to win for each other our second year, and it's it's a pretty powerful feeling um, when you have everybody pulling for you and everybody pulling for the same goal. Yeah, I noticed that when I was looking back at you know your season and your team and seeing that you guys made that big of an improvement. That's a big improvement in just a year. Now, you continue on to have a very good career at University of Washington. You eventually are named to the All-Pac-12 Academic Team in your final year as you posted an impressive 3.87 GPA. During your time as a Husky, were academics something that always you know uh, came easy to you, or was it something that you always put a large emphasis on as being a student-athlete? Um, yeah, I've always I've always taken pride in academics, and I think part of the reason I contribute that is my mom actually was uh, has been a high school teacher for over twenty years, and uh, she's actually the principal of a middle school now. But growing up, she was a high school teacher, and she always just you know pushed that importance to me. Um, and you know, like anything can happen with sports, and and you know it could end. Um, you know. And with it in the blink of an eye with anything uh, that can happen as far as like an injury or whatever so um, yeah I would say my mom was actually a really big influence on me to uh, kind of take pride in my uh, my academics now you were a communications major and I was also a communications major in college myself so I'm curious what do you plan on doing with your communications degree when baseball is over for you and uh, you go into the professional world do you plan to stay in sports in some capacity or do you plan to go a different route with that degree um, to be honest, uh, I'm still pretty open. I haven't given too much thought. Um, I was, uh, my dad works in medical sales, which I thought is something that's pretty interesting. And I thought a communications degree, um, you know, would help with kind of like the sales aspect of working. Um, but I would also love to work in sports too, if, if, if something like that uh, ever became available. But honestly, haven't, haven't put too much thought into that yet. Well, I'm sure that it's been, uh, you know, a, a great experience for you, you know, when you were in college being able to do that. Now, during your time at Washington, you quickly made a name for yourself and built a reputation for being a guy who can play multiple positions, both in the infield and in the outfield. Have you always prided yourself on being, you know, a very good fielder? Or has that always been something that you had naturally also gifted to you? Um, yeah, I've just always loved playing defense and, uh, I just always thought, like, the more positions I could play and the more positions I could play well, the more opportunity there would be uh, as I moved up in in levels. Um, so um, I was pretty fortunate to have had, like, good coaches that always, you know, um, were willing to, to uh, you know, give me experience at multiple positions so I was comfortable um, pretty much anywhere on the field. Well, I know that you've you've been working very hard at your you know skill in the field and also hitting as well. Now, after your junior year, you had a very important moment in your young career happen. You getting drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the thirty fourth round. Talk about that day a little bit and what were some emotions that you were going through your head when you saw your name pop up on the screen? What was your draft day experience like for you? Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty hectic day. Um, it's 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 it can be nerve wracking. It's a lot of waiting around uh, nervously, waiting for a phone call. Uh, you know, uh, talking to like your advisor, your agent. Um, but it was you know once once you final once I finally saw you know my name pop up on the screen. It's just it's just a it's just a feeling I can't describe. You know, it's it's just you know the culmination of all the hard work you've put in your whole life. Um, finally being realized 
and uh, you know I'm just fortunate enough that the St. Louis Cardinals uh, took a chance on me and I'm going to make the most of it now, this isn't the first time you've had your name called on draft as you were taken in the 20th round out of high school by the Cleveland Indians. What made you decide to pursue your college career going pro, instead of going pro early? I mean, what, what was the motivating factor for you wanting to go to Washington as opposed to going pro right away? I think there were a couple factors. Uh, like I said before, um, I, was, I was taking pride in academics and you know, I, wanted to, I wanted to get closer to getting a college degree. It's always been something that's important to me. Um, and another part of it, I think, was just kind of like a maturity aspect. Uh, I didn't feel like out of high school I was like extremely ready to go off into minor league baseball just yet. And I wanted to just mature as an individual more um, before I kind of took that next step. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you know a lot of guys. They, they tend to go a little early, and they never know what's going to happen. So it's good that you decide to go to school and uh, you know get get a degree. Now, another very interesting fact about you, Ben, is that you are not the only professional athlete in your family. As your dad was also a pro athlete who played football for the Philadelphia Eagles. As a former pro himself, what has been some advice or insider information he has shared with you pertaining to how you should you know carry yourself as a pro and really what the lifestyle is like? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been my biggest motivating factor as far as uh, the sports. I'm, I'm fortunate that both my parents have supported me, um, you know, endlessly, and I can never thank him enough. But uh, my dad has really just instilled that, that work ethic, you know, and, like, sometimes I, I'm, when I'm tired or I don't feel like doing it, you know, he always told, he always was the one, you know, pushing me. Um, and as much as sometimes I didn't want to or whatever, um I realize, you know, that, you know, he just wants the best and he knows what it takes. So it's, I've been very fortunate to have someone like him uh, who's been able to play at a high level, uh, kind of, you know, guiding me through my own experience. Yeah, I'm sure he's been, uh, you know, like you said, a, a vital role and a, and a pivotal, you know, part of your uh, career as a baseball player. Ben, you've been awesome to have on the show today, my friend. I have one final question to ask you, and it involves when you had your sports epiphany and realized that you could take your talents to the professional level. So for you, when did it really set in and become almost a realization to you that you were going to be able to take your talents to the professional level of baseball? Yeah, I, I, I remember just always wanting to uh, play professional sports. Ever since I was young, I always loved sports. Um, I played a bunch of sports growing up, pretty much anyone that you can name. Um, it wasn't until high school that I started really realizing that I was pretty good, <laughs> and uh, I, I hadn't even really given it much thought. I always just, you know, loved playing, and I just, you know, loved competing with my friends. And it was in high school, I started playing some club baseball in high school where, um, we were connected with, you know, some college recruiters and stuff, and I started to really realize, like, oh, shoot, I can I can kind of take this to the next level. And uh, so kind of probably, I would say, my freshman or sophomore year of high school is kind of when I realized that. Well, Ben, you've got a very promising career ahead of you, and I know that you're going to do great things for the Cardinals and in their organization. I really appreciate your time today, Ben, and I look forward to having you on the show another time, and good luck moving forward. Thank you so much, Jack. It's, like I said, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much.
And there he goes, Ben Baird, current St. Louis Cardinals minor leaguer. Another fantastic episode today. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining me on the bench today. Be sure to follow and subscribe to Ride in the Pine on both Apple and Spotify, and make sure you check out all 42 episodes available now. Keep following the show on Twitter, which is at RideThePine20, RTP, all capital, and Instagram at Riding underscore the underscore pine underscore for the latest news and episode updates and much, much more. Again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.